have an anchor that keeps the soul. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. The Bible talks a lot about the trying of our faith. In James chapter 1, James, of course, is writing to Christians in the first century. The book of James is a very practical book. Matter of fact, the Old Testament counterpart to the book of James would be Proverbs. And James would write in chapter 1, verse 2, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And then he said, Knowing that the trying of your faith works patience or perseverance. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter was writing to Christians who were suffering for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he would say, If any man suffers as a, as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about the trying of their faith being more precious than gold, though it be tried by fire. And so, whether we like it or not, we live in a world that is immersed in problems, trials, and tribulations. And you can throw in temptations. So the question for us today Will your faith sustain you in troubled times? I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the prerequisite to faith. The passage read a moment ago, Hebrews chapter 11, at verse 6. The writer said, Without faith it is impossible to be well-pleasing to God. And the idea here is that faith is demanded in the lives of those who would be followers of God. Now, granted, we're not talking about blind faith, but rather faith based upon evidence. And so that leads to the development of faith. Now, Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You remember when Jesus spent some three, three and a half years in his earthly ministry, going from city to city, preaching and teaching the coming of the kingdom of God. And Jesus said to the Jews of his day in John chapter 8, except you believe that I am, he said, you will die in your sins. Jesus here saying that in order to ultimately enjoy that eternal abiding place with him, we must come to understand that He is the divine Son of God. So, with that being said, did the Lord give ample evidence during His earthly ministry for people to come to a belief in Him as the Son of God? Well, the answer would be yes. And it was important to Jesus what people thought about Him. You remember in Matthew 16, when Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they offered a variety of answers. They said, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Then he asked this question, but whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus then said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Well, how then did the Father 
revealed to Peter and the other disciples that he was indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, one way was by the miracles that he performed. John catalogs seven distinct miracles of Jesus in his gospel narrative. Matter of fact, in chapter 20, he said, Many of the signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written wide that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. So there was ample opportunity for people in the first century to come to the conclusion that Jesus was who he claimed to be. Can we then draw that same conclusion? Well, the answer is yes. How do we do that? By sifting through the Scriptures. There is the development of faith, isn't there? You remember in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Peter, of course, or rather Paul, is writing to Timothy, his own son in the faith. And Paul expresses thanksgiving. And one of the things that he was grateful for was the genuine faith that dwelt first in Timothy's grandmother, a lady by the name of Lois. And then he said, and is in your mother, Eunice, and he said, I'm persuaded, is in you also. All right, here's the question. How then did Timothy develop a genuine faith in the Lord? Remember what he said? Remember what Paul said, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15? And that from infancy or from a baby. You have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So revelation and understanding that God has given us His Word and by that Word we can come to an understanding of the will of God, the ways of God, and we can walk by faith. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. So there is the development of faith. The Hebrew writer also makes mention of the fact that by faith we understand the world was made by the Word of God. Does the world in which we live lend evidence that there is a God? Well, of course. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows His handiwork. I can tell that there is a God based upon the evidence before me in the creation. But I can't know the will of God separate and apart from revelation. There's a second thing I want us to do in our study. First, we talk about the prerequisite of faith. What I want us to do now is to profile faith. With that being said, think with me for a moment or two of where you would fall in relationship to your own faith. I said a minute ago, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There is only one faith or one system of truth. Paul said that in Ephesians 4. There's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith. The one faith is the gospel, the truth. So, the gospel is what produces faith in the lives of people. So when you begin to examine your own life, one of the beauties of Scripture is we can look into the Word of God, we can analyze our life, how we're living, and we can tell whether or not we're walking in accordance with the will of God. So how would your faith rate 
in the eyes of God. In Matthew chapter 6, you remember Jesus talked about the problem of worry and anxiety. And He said, you know, there were some in His day who were worried about what they would eat, what they would drink, what they would wear. And Jesus said, after all these things the Gentiles seek. But prior to making that statement, He said, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you? And then listen to this. O you of little faith. So when you start investigating where you are in your spiritual life, life is a journey. It is a pilgrimage. Would you say that you have little faith? I would take it to mean that those who have little faith would still be in a state of spiritual infancy. You remember in Luke chapter 17 at verse 5, the apostles said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. Are there some today who have little faith? Yes, absolutely. Things haven't changed, have they? So if you have little faith, wouldn't it stand to reason that you want to increase that faith? Well, how do you do that? Listen to Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the Word. Why? That you might grow thereby. When you spend time investigating and meditating on the Word of God, what's it going to do? There's a correlation between your faith and your knowledge of God's Word. That's why Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, there's the possibility that you individually could have little faith. But then, the Bible talks about, in Matthew chapter 8, great faith. In that context, in Matthew chapter 8, a centurion asked Jesus to come and to heal one of his servants, who was at home paralyzed. And he was deeply tormented. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And the man said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak a word and he'll be healed. Says something about his faith, doesn't it? And he said, I also am a man under authority. And this centurion said, I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. I say to a servant, do this, and he does it. And then Jesus said, Assuredly I say to you, I have not found so great a faith in Israel. So would you say that you have great faith? You could have little faith. You could have a growing faith, as Paul talked about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. He commended them because their faith was growing. It could be that you need to increase your faith, and it might be the possibility that you have great faith. In Romans chapter 4, the Bible also identifies another type of faith. Strong faith. The account is that of Abraham. The promise made to Abraham and Sarah that in their old age, they would have a child, they would have a son, we know him by Isaac. And the Apostle Paul, in writing to the saints in Rome, said that Abraham wavered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. 
So here's a man that took God at his word. God said, you're going to have a child of promise. Did it come to fruition? Yes, it did. Commended for what? For his strong faith. So as you begin to assess your faith right now, where would you say that your faith stacks up in the grand scheme of things? Do you have little faith? Do you need to increase your faith? Do you have a growing faith? Do you have a great faith? Do you have a strong faith? Now this really brings us to the heart of what we want to talk about in our study today. And I want to again call your attention to Hebrews chapter 11. And note if you would again verse 6. The writer said, Without faith it is impossible to be well-pleasing to God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. One of the great things about Hebrews chapter 11 is that it is marked by individuals who lived by faith and obedience to Almighty God. And so in verse 6, what the writer is saying is to all of us who are alive today, faith is valuable. You can't put a premium on your faith. It is incredibly important in the grand scheme of things. Well, why is that? Because we live in a world of trial and trouble, don't we? And listen, whether we like it or not, doesn't matter who we are, where we are in life, problems and troubles and adversities, they will come. Some greater than others. Some potentially could be plagued by greater problems than others. The fact of the matter is, Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Troubles will come. So how is it that we're going to get through the trials and tribulations of life? Can you lean on the world? Well, there are a lot of folks that try to do that. And there are some folks that they resort to different kinds of things to get them through troubles and trials. I really think what the Scriptures are saying is, if you want to get through the trials and troubles of life, you're going to need a strong faith. And listen, if you don't have a strong faith before trials and troubles come, and they will come, please listen very carefully, you will not make it. You won't get through it. There are a lot of folks, they're not ready for what's coming their way. They're not equipped to deal with the troubles and trials of life. That's why it's imperative that we develop a strong and abiding faith in God. When you start looking at Hebrews chapter 11, and you start reading about these great heroes of faith, their lives were not problem-free, nor were they trouble-free. They faced adversity after adversity, obstacle after obstacle, but what was the constancy in their lives? Faith. Faith. What is it that's going to get you through the troubles and trials of life? It's going to be your faith. So what the writer is saying to us, faith is valuable. Faith is not only valuable, but in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer tells us that faith is is visionary. He cites Moses. And you remember the text says, By faith Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, 
Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Now listen to this. For he looked to the reward. What are you saying? The writer is saying that Moses had the ability to discern what's important and what's not. He had the ability to look beyond the temporal things of this world. He had the treasures of Egypt at his fingertips. Stephen said he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, mighty in words and deeds. This guy had the world, of it, the world at his hands. And yet he chose to identify with God's people. Why? Because he was looking for something far better than the temporal treasures of Egypt. You remember, for example, as we think about Abraham. The Bible says he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Listen, that is visionary. If you're not looking beyond this veil of tears, beyond this life to eternity, you're missing out. This life will be over before you know it. James compares it to a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. The Hebrew writer said, It's appointed unto man once to die, after this comes the judgment. The psalmist said we might live to be 70 or 80 years of age, but he said it's soon cut off and we fly away. So you've got to understand there's something more than just the here and now. The problem in our world is people are banking on the here and now and not planning for eternity. And Jesus asked this question, it is the question of the hour. What shall, it man, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If you gain the world but lose your soul, Jesus said, let me tell you what, you made a terrible transaction in life. So with regard to faith and where you stack up in your spiritual life, what about your faith? Where would you rate your faith right now? July 11, 20. 21. At this moment in time, we all have some level, some measure of faith, don't we? We might have little faith. We might need to increase our faith. It might be that we have great faith, strong faith. You know, James talks about a dead faith in James 2.20. Could be our faith is dead. So there is the importance of faith. Faith, according to the Hebrew writer, is valuable. It is visionary and it is victorious. In Hebrews chapter 11, over and over again, here is the expression used by the inspired writer, by faith, by faith, by faith. He talks about individuals of old, Abel and Enoch, and Noah, and Abraham, and so on. Over and over again, by faith. But note verse 13. In verse 13, the writer said, These all died in faith. What he's saying is, faith is victorious. What was it we sang a moment ago? This is the victory that overcomes the world. What is it? Even our faith, 1 John 5. You've got to have a strong faith to get through this life. So with that in mind, think about your life right now. 
the adversities that come our way daily, what is it that's going to sustain you in troubled times, in tough times? It's going to be your faith, isn't it? So does the writer provide us with a prescription for dealing with adversities and trials in life? Yes, he does. So look at Hebrews chapter 12. In chapter 12, the writer begins this chapter by saying, Therefore also, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Well, who are the witnesses he's talking about? He's referring back to those great men and women of God listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And he's saying what you need to do first and foremost is to look backward. To remember that there have been people of days gone by, great people of faith, who lived by faith and obedience. They suffered trial after trial after trial, and yet they remained faithful to Almighty God. Listen if you would. Look if you would at Hebrews chapter 11 again. Just listen to what the writer says beginning in verse 32. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others, he said, were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. When you read that, you can't help but be impressed by the depth of difficulties and obstacles that they faced in their lives. Well, what was it that sustained them? It was a strong faith in God. And the writer here is saying, number one, when you face tough times in life, you need to look back and remember that there are other people that have soldiered their way through this world and they have faced trial and tribulation time and again, but they came out on the other side and they were faithful to God. What then was it that sustained them during those difficulties? It was their faith. The value of Old Testament Scripture. Paul said, the things that were written beforehand were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, listen to him, might have hope. Are you saying then that when I look back and read about these great people of God, and the things that they experienced in this life, that that can instill within me deeper faith in God, that it can help me to overcome the obstacles of this life? The answer is yes. It ought to be the case that we spend enough time in Scripture that some of the people that we read about become our friends. I mean, don't you feel like that you know David? 
Haven't you read about the life of David and the trials and the troubles that he faced enough in this life that you can say, you know what, I identify with him. He's my friend. What about Job? Look at everything Job experienced in his life. Can't you say, Job has become a good friend of mine. He's helped me through some difficult moments in my life. I've thought time and again about Job. And I really can't say that I've ever known anyone that has faced the degree of difficulty that he faced in this life. Job maintained his composure, his integrity, and his faith in Almighty God. And I would remind you, Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Troubles are going to come. Trials will come. Temptations will come. You better develop a strong faith that will get you through tough times. So first, the writer said you need to look backward. But then he said you need to look upward. He said looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Please listen very carefully. If you don't keep your eyes on Jesus in this life, you will not make it to heaven. Do you understand that? If your life is not focused on the Lord day in and day out, you won't make it. And one of the tactics of the devil is to get us off center. The devil, the devil wants to deceive and disrupt and destroy. And the devil knows that if he can somehow get our lives out of focus, then he wins. And Peter said he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And by the way, Peter talked about people who were suffering for their faith. And he said they need to commit their souls unto him who is a faithful creator. I would encourage all of us today when we face tough times in this life that we need to commit our soul in the hand, into the hands of God. Why? Because He is a faithful Creator. God can get you through the difficulties of this life. So that being said, in verse 3, the writer talks about in Hebrews chapter 12 that Jesus endured the gainsaying of sinners. His intent was to encourage, because he said, there are some of you who have become weary and discouraged in your souls. Can life be discouraging? Can life be so tough that we become despondent and depressed? Sure. Is it possible that the adversities of life can destroy our faith? The answer is, again is yes, but not if we have a genuine faith. Not if we have great faith. Not if we have a strong faith. But if you don't have a strong faith, you're not going to make it. So I want to ask you today, where are you in your Christian life? We always talk about how life can change on a dime. And many times when we talk about difficulties and adversities and trials, we think about others, but we never really pause to think, it could be me. It's always the other person. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes those troubles come home to us. So where are you in your Christian life? Do you have the kind of faith that's going to help you overcome 
tough times in this life. Will your faith sustain you? If not, could I encourage you today to begin developing and increasing your faith in this life? Let's just say that you're here today and you're not a Christian. You know that faith is essential. We just read a moment ago from John chapter 8. Except you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. Faith and obedience go hand in hand. God always blesses an operative faith. So if you believe Jesus to be the Son of God and you would repent of all of your sins, confessing the name of Jesus as the eunuch did in Acts chapter 8, verse 37, and be immersed in water, the Bible says you can enjoy the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2, verse 38. God will then put you in the church. And once you become a member of the body of Christ, the exhortation is be faithful and you will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love Him, James 1, 12. Might be that you're here today. Your faith's not where it ought to be. You're not what you ought to be. You know that. And you're struggling, hurting. You feel like your faith is slipping away. You can rebuild it. You can develop a greater faith. It's going to take time. It's going to take work. But it can happen. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.